0: Chapter One of Toby Tyler, or Ten Weeks with the Circus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Patty Cunningham. Toby Tyler, or Ten Weeks with the Circus by James Otis. Chapter One. Toby's Introduction to the Circus. "'Couldn't you give more'n six peanuts for a cent?' was a question asked by a very small boy with big staring eyes of a candy vendor at a circus booth, and as he spoke he looked wistfully at the quantity of nuts piled high up on the basket, and then at the six, each of which now looked so small as he held them in his hand. "'Couldn't do it,' was the reply of the proprietor of the booth, as he put the boy's penny carefully away in the drawer." The little fellow looked for another moment at his purchase, and then carefully cracked the largest one. A shade, and a very deep shade it was, of disappointment passed over his face, and then looking up anxiously he asked, Don't you swap em when they're bad? The man's face looked as if a smile had been a stranger to it for a long time, but one did pay it a visit just then, and he tossed the boy two nuts, and asked him a question at the same time. "'What is your name?' The big brown eyes looked up for an instant, as if to learn whether the question was asked in good faith. And then their owner said, as he carefully picked apart another nut, "'Toby Tyler.' "'Well, that's a queer name.' "'Yes, I suppose so myself. But, you see, I don't expect that's the name that belongs to me. But the fellers call me so, and so does Uncle Daniel.' "'Who is Uncle Daniel?' was the next question.' In the absence of other customers, the man seemed disposed to get as much amusement out of the boy as possible. He ain't my uncle at all. I only call him so, because all the boys do, and I live with him. Where's your father and mother? I don't know, said Toby rather carelessly. I don't know much about them, and Uncle Dan'l says they don't know much about me. Here's another bad nut. Going to give me two more?" two nuts were given him and he said as he put them in his pocket and turned over and over again those which he held in his hand i shouldn't wonder if all of these was bad s'posin you give me two for each one of em before i crack em and then they won't be spoiled so you can sell em again as this offer of barter was made the man looked amused and he asked as he counted out the number which toby desired if i give you these i suppose you'll want me to give you two more for each one and you'll keep that kind of a trade going until you get my whole stock i won't open my head if every one of em's bad all right you can keep what you've got and i'll give you these besides but i don't want you to buy any more for i don't want to do that kind of business toby took the nuts offered not in the least abashed and seated himself on a convenient stone to eat them and at the same time to see all that was going on around him the coming of a circus to the little town of guilford was an event and toby had hardly thought of anything else since the highly-coloured posters had first been put up it was yet quite early in the morning and the tents were just being erected by the men Toby had followed with eager eyes everything that looked as if it belonged to the circus, from the time the first wagon had entered the town until the street parade had been made, and everything was being prepared for the afternoon's performance. The man who had made the losing trade in peanuts seemed disposed to question the boy still further, probably owing to the fact that he had nothing better to do. "'Who is this Uncle Daniel you say you live with? Is he a farmer?' no he's a deacon and he wraps me over the head with the hymn-book whenever i go to sleep in meetin and he says i eat four times as much as i earn i blame him for hittin so hard when i go to sleep but i s'pose he's right about my eatin you see and here his tone grew both confidential and mournful i am an awful eater and i can't seem to help it somehow i'm hungry all the time i don't seem ever to get enough till carrot-time comes and then i can get all i want without troubling anybody didn't you ever have enough to eat i s'pose i did but you see uncle dan'l he found me one morning on his hay and he says i was crying for something to eat then and i've kept it up ever since i tried to get him to give me money enough to go into the circus with but he said a cent was all he could spare these hard times and i'd better take that and buy something to eat with it for the show wasn't very good anyway i wish peanuts wasn't but a cent a bushel then you would make yourself sick eating them yes i suppose i should uncle dan'l says i'd eat till i was sick if i got the chance but i'd like to try it once he was a very small boy with a round head covered with short red hair a face as speckled as any turkey's egg but thoroughly good-natured looking and as he sat there on the rather sharp point of the rock swaying his body to and fro as he hugged his knees with his hands and kept his eyes fastened on the tempting display of good things before him it would have been a very hard-hearted man who would not have given him something but mr job lord the proprietor of the booth was a hard-hearted man and he did not make the slightest advance toward offering the little fellow anything toby rocked himself silently for a moment and then he said hesitatingly i don't suppose you'd like to sell me some things and let me pay you when i get older would you mr lord shook his head decidedly at this proposition i didn't s'pose you would said toby quickly but you didn't seem to be selling anything and i thought i'd just see what you'd say about it and then he appeared suddenly to see something wonderfully interesting behind him which served as an excuse to turn his reddening face away "'I suppose your Uncle Daniel makes you work for your living, don't he?' asked Mr. Lord, after he had rearranged his stock of candy, and had added a couple of slices of lemon-peel to what was popularly supposed to be lemonade. "'That's what I think. But he says that all the work I do wouldn't pay for the meal that one chicken would eat, and I suppose it's so, for I don't like to work as well as a feller without any father and mother ought to. I don't know why it is, but I guess it's because I take up so much time eatin' that it kinder tars me out.' i suppose you go into the circus whenever you want to don't you oh yes i'm there at every performance for i keep the stand under the big canvas as well as this one out here there was a great big sigh from out toby's little round stomach as he thought what bliss it must be to own all those good things and to see the circus wherever it went it must be nice he said as he faced the booth and its hard-visaged proprietor once more "'How would you like it?' asked Mr. Lord, patronizingly, as he looked Toby over in a business way, very much as if he contemplated purchasing him. "'Like it?' echoed Toby. "'Why, I'd grow fat on it.' "'I don't know as that would be any advantage,' continued Mr. Lord, reflectively, "'for it strikes me that you're about as fat now as a boy of your age ought to be. But I've a great mind to give you a chance.' "'What?' cried Toby in amazement, and his eyes opened to their widest extent as this possible opportunity of leading a delightful life presented itself. Yes, I've a great mind to give you the chance. You see, and now it was Mr. Lord's turn to grow confidential, I've had a boy with me this season, but he cleared out at the last town, and I'm running the business alone now. Toby's face expressed all the contempt he felt for the boy who would run away from such a glorious life as Mr. Lord's assistant must lead, but he said not a word, waiting in breathless expectation for the offer which he now felt certain would be made him. "'Now I ain't hard on a boy,' continued Mr. Lord, still confidentially, and yet that one seemed to think he was treated worse and made to work harder than any boy in the world. "'He ought to live with Uncle Dan'l a week,' said Toby eagerly here i was just like a father to him said mr lord paying no attention to the interruption and i gave him his board and lodging and a dollar a week besides could he do what he wanted to with the dollar of course he could i never checked him no matter how extravagant he was and yet i've seen him spend his whole week's wages at this very stand in one afternoon and even after his money had all gone that way i've paid for peppermint and ginger out of my own pocket just to cure his stomach-ache toby shook his head mournfully as if deploring that depravity which could cause a boy to run away from such a tender-hearted employer and from such a desirable position but even as he shook his head so sadly he looked wistfully at the peanuts and mr lord observed the look it may have been that mr Joe lord was the tender-hearted man he prided himself upon being or it may have been that he wished to purchase toby's sympathy but at all events he gave him a large handful of nuts and toby never bothered his little round head as to what motive prompted the gift now he could listen to the story of the boy's treachery and eat at the same time therefore he was an attentive listener all in the world that boy had to do continued mr lord in the same injured tone he had previously used was to help me set things to rights when we struck a town in the morning and then tend to the counter till we left town at night and all the rest of the time he had to himself yet that boy was ungrateful enough to run away mr lord paused as if expecting some expression of sympathy from his listener but toby was so busily engaged with his unexpected feast and his mouth was so full that it did not seem even possible for him to shake his head. Now what should you say if I told you that you looked to me like a boy that was made especially to help run a candy-counter at a circus, and if I offered the place to you? Toby made one frantic effort to swallow the very large mouthful, and in a choking voice he answered quickly, "'I should say I'd go with you, and be mighty glad of the chance. Then it's a bargain, my boy, and you shall leave town with me to-night.' End of chapter 1 Recording by Patty Cunningham